Did you really drag me in here to listen to another one of your podcasts? Dude, you're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. Want a juice box and some string cheese? <laughs> Do you really have that? Fourth wall break inside a fourth wall break. That's like 16 walls. Flawless victory. Mother? What's wrong with me? Darling, I don't have to answer to you. I'm Batman. Why'd you open your bonghole, you smelly hippie? It's clobbering time. This is the men who look bad in spandex? That's disgusting. Are you seriously calling it that? What is up, Mr. Max? Hey, my brother from another mother. How you doing, buddy? I'm I'm good, man. I'm good. Just... Glad to be back reconnecting with my uh, brother clad in spandex. Spandex clad brethren. <laughs> Figuratively, because not actually. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, we're not actually dudes in spandex. We'd probably be on some sort of list somewhere if we were, but um, uh, you know what they always say, right, Steve? Spandex, it's a privilege, not a right. That is true. Yeah. That is true. And for some reason, people who ride bicycles think it's a, a right. I don't, I don't know what that's all about. You know, I was going to say that. Like, I thought if you were on a list, it'd probably be on one of those tour the ride bikes lists. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I I can't really think of one right now. I've never thought of a cool superhero whose main shtick, their gimmick, was riding a bicycle. Can you? I mean, Ghost Rider. Uh, no, no, you can't say motorcycle because Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider is a straight badass. All right, so yeah, yeah. he's going to be my answer. Yeah, he was at the, the Ghost Rider, but. Yeah, he's a. It's not a pedal bike. It's a. It's a bike bike, like a motorcycle. Would you? you? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't. I can't think of anybody particular that's their stick. I mean, there was. There's been a couple of skateboard riders. There has. Over at Marvel, Um, New Warriors had one. But when it comes to like pedal bike, well, okay, I guess Turbo Kid. And Turbo Kid does have two comics. Turbo Kid. Steve, you Heck went yeah. deep. Steve, you went deep for that one. You are mining the shaft, <laughs> brother, for Turbo Kid? Yeah, Turbo Kid's freaking awesome, dude. What is that? Some sort of, like, $2,000 answer to a Jeopardy question, man? What the hell, um, bro? <laughs> Turbo Kid? I, I, I mean, you know, I was trying to think of pedal bikes and who's... You know, if there's anyone synonymous with them. And the, oh, man. I mean, technically it's BMX, but, I mean, whatever. Uh, Turbo Kid's fantastic, man. Like, that's a... Oh, gosh. A movie made by a batch of Canadians that did get a comic book, and the comic book is written by the uh, lady who directed the movie. Well, co-written, I guess. I guess there's three people on there that wrote the book. Um, mm. But it's her and then two others that uh, wrote the comic book. And as a thing, it's got two parts, and it's about a character named Apple. Apple is a, the second main character in the Turbo Kid film. Hey, so, Steve, uh, quick quick question. Re, like, real talk, man. Like, when's the last time you ever had a conversation that involves Turbo Kid? I don't know why anybody <laughs> would talk about Turbo Kid, but I do, I, I do want to say, man, if I was in the comics and, like, if this was a Valentine's Day date, you would have had me a Turbo Kid, brother. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That man. is that is deep, dude. That's why we get you, though, man. You're CBS. That's why they call you CBS. Comic Book Steve, uh, he's from Top 5 Comics. He's the man, the myth, the proprietor, the dude, the hoss, the, you know, El Deuterino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's uh, it's the man that you can find uh, right off First and Orchard. 
in the Hillcrest Plaza for all your comic book needs at Top 5 Comics. Steve, my man, of course, we're gearing up, I think, towards uh, Quantumania. That's been the talk of a lot of the comic book world. Um, you know, the DC yeah, the DC thing with James Gunn and Peter Safran is still, you know, still being widely discussed, good and bad. I mean, <laughs> the internet being what it is, my friend, pretty much a hodgepodge of whatever the hell have you. I like to call it simultaneously the best and worst thing to happen to humanity and the internet, but they're out there saying it's going to be great, and they're out there saying James Gunn and Safran have already sabotaged the DC Extended universe, man. So I, I don't know. Where do you want to start, brother? Do you want to start with Quantum Mania? What, what are you thinking? Oh, man, I, you know, let's do. Well, let's do a little. Uh, yeah, because that's new. Let's do that. The James James Gunn. Yeah, there is a. Oh, nice. And I launch into it. There's a whole like fan theory about that that reminds me of the times in the. Early, I don't know, so late in the '80s, early '90s, mid '90s that. It's sort of like WWF, because it was still WWF back then, and WCW. But uh, no, let's talk uh, Quantum Mania first, and then we can maybe go back to that afterwards. No, I'll go back to that. That's Steve, man. I'll I'll talk. <laughs> I'll make all sorts of pro wrestling references throughout the entire time. Are we talking like NWO, the Takeover? Are we talking about Monday Night Wars? Is that what? So you're saying? Oh yeah. So DC We're about subterfuge and ooh. destruction from the inside. You're telling me DC is WCW in this moment, and the WWF is represented by our good friends at Marvel. So is that what I'm getting here? Um, that is the current um, conspiracy. I'm not necessarily something I am prescribed to. Okay. So as far as the thing, this is not in my dose of medication I take in the morning. Yeah. But I have heard that being a rumbling coming from folks, and I think that that's just. Uh, I'm not saying it's impossible, but the amount of things that would have to happen to get to where we are now for that to be the truth is a lot more than one Vince McMahon firing a couple. Uh, B plus listers, A minus listers, to you know cause sabotage. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying that it. it there's just too many steps there to make it believable. All right, all right. All right. Let's circle back to it, my man, because that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> For Quantum Mania, though, the reviews are out, and once again, it's a glowing piece of Marvel lore. Apparently, this is Phase Five or Phase Four. This is the beginning of Phase 5. Phase 5. Everybody's super stoked about it. I saw a lot of critics, uh, pundits, and more say this was something that brought them back to that same level of excitement that they had uh, prior to uh, to Infinity War and Endgame. Well, I mean, as far as things are concerned, I mean, the trailers for it look amazing. Some of the lines in the trailers are just so good. And uh, I mean, Mr. Paul Rudd... I mean, he's a wonder and a, and just a gem of a man. So the 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 ageless one, the chosen, you know, the chosen Rudd. Yeah, I mean him and I mean there is a handful of them. And, and don't get me wrong, Henry Cavill may uh, may turn out to be one of those too. And then back on the DC side of things, was a mistake to you know make the choices they made. But as a thing, I mean Paul Rudd and I mean. Age-wise, he is an ageless wonder. Him and Tom Cruise, both, like, it's crazy. You know what he says? I was reading Rudd's uh, secret to uh, uh, looking that good for so long. You know what he says, Steve? Huh. Sleep. No, no idea. Sleep. A good eight <laughs> hours of sleep. Yeah. I don't know if I believe... I mean, that's... 
I don't know if I believe him, considering the amount of, you know, stuff he's done with the type of people who wouldn't let him sleep, you know? But, eh. You know, if, if Paul Rudd, you know, drinks two pints of Guinness at the after party, calls it a night, then Irish goodbyes everybody, you know, I, I guess. That, <laughs> that'll pack a couple of extra years onto your life. Am I, I might be wrong, Steve. I might be wrong. You know, I don't I don't know as far as equating a, a success of youth to that. I mean, I, well, I can't say the man's wrong because, I mean, I don't think there's any yeah. Science to prove it, but I mean, as a thing, <laughs> science. We don't, we don't know. We don't talk about science here on this podcast. Science was <laughs> that. I, what is funny though is you're right about it. The man, like, almost looks younger. He's like Benjamin Button. He's just aging in reverse. It is pretty wild. Like uh, he, as far as uh, appearance is concerned, he does. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's impressive. I hear. I heard he had a shirtless scene in Quantum Mania, and everybody's really enjoying that. Steve? Oh, yeah, I have no idea. It's the first. I'm gonna say it's not my normal flavor of bouquet, but at the same time, I, you know, I was not aware of that. So. Well, I guess it's news if Rudd takes his shirt off, but more so, <laughs> I want to say the the besides Rudd, of course, being Rudd. Rudd's going to Rudd, as they, as the bumper sticker says, I guess. Uh, Jonathan, uh, Majors had a lot of glowing words about his performance as well. So you got to be geeked up to see what his Kang looks like, right? I'm geeked up. Oh, for sure. Like, the couple clips we get in the, uh, in the trailers looks just amazing, considering the style of costume and the fact the man has a blue face. And we seem to get all those pieces, and it has to do with the equipment, which is great. I mean, color scheme-wise. Yeah. As far as costume is concerned, I mean, it looks fantastic. Yeah. And as far as the actor is concerned, I mean, uh, what we've seen already with Loki is pretty good. And I watched, I can't remember what the name of the movie is. Um, the one where he's a pilot based out of a, based on a real thing. Yeah. Uh, Devotion? Maybe that sounds right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The that, guy, sounds, that sounds correct. The guy in Maverick, who was also, I was like, that guy's in two plane movies. Look at that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Glenn. True. The, the the supporting character Glenn whoever yeah it's 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 good uh, it's very good Steve I wanted to ask you man what Kang are they basing this one on do you know is this uh, this isn't Amortis this isn't obviously Tony Stark uh, from the far far future um, is this like the original Kang I think it's supposed to be as far as look, the costume is very the closest costume I can think to match is the original King. As far as style, my granted, we are talking about a character that you know showed up in the comic books back in the mid seventies, from what mm. I remember. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that because I don't remember what year he showed up. That's actually something I need to find out, but I don't currently remember it <laughs> at the moment. Um, but when it comes to like versions of King, people kind of are attributing the Man Beyond Time, so Loki appearance, to be people are calling that a Morris because of, his, because of his jovial attitude and the way he presents himself. Costume-wise, I mean, it, it's not a costume matches anything because it's just now. It's just, just wearing whatever. But the way he looks in the trailers, at least, would suggest that it's the regular Kang, which I think makes a lot of sense because even if we do get one or two of the other versions or three of the other versions, or even if we get Iron Lad at some point. Yeah, that was a question that I was going to pose to you. I think we should start with the most close to the original that we can. And as far as the movies are concerned, I mean, since they're an amalgam of things anyway, 
I, I don't necessarily know if we get all the renditions of him or not, but when it comes to time and like shifting characters, I don't think we're going to go back to the Ramutet days. I mean, they might mention it, I guess. Where is the Pharaoh in Egypt? Mm-hmm. But if we if they do, it'll be something that's like I would say glossed over or mentioned as a side note to his longevity. Do you think that'll be like a huge piece? Yeah, that's a great question, Steve. That I wanted to ask you as well. Do you think they will reference how long Kang has been around? Because if you're familiar with him in the comics, he is. Uh, he's in the past, he's in the future, he's in the present, all at the same time. His plans are vast and amazing. And the reason he actually kind of has power almost, if, if you remember the original 70s run, he stole technology from, I, I want to say, the 33rd century or something like that, and then came back to the past, like way back to the past, and then conquered people, and then that alternate reality became Kang's reality, and then, of course, he was more power-hungry, so he branched out, and that's how he came into the Marvel 616 universe. I I wonder, because of the multiverse kind of burgeoning uh, in the MCU, Steve, is that, you think, going to be a part of it, or is there another movie we might have to wait for till we see the multiverse and all its chaotic glory? Well, I think it'll probably be mixed or both. I mean, since we're posing the, the concept that Kang is the next big bad for the franchise as far as a, a staple or whatever, not just Ant-Man, but as far as moving forward for a minute, we're going to deal with a lot of Kang problems. I'd be surprised we didn't see both just because of that. I don't think he's a one-and-done villain by any means. So I don't know how far it's going to reach that way, though. And when it comes to, like, the splitting divergency, even like even in the comic book, there's a point where because of a glitch in time or whatever, we wound up having two kings at the same time that weren't even the same guy. I don't necessarily feel like that's going to happen probably, only because then not only are there multiple versions of him because of time travel and because King constantly causes King problems, um, <laughs> which should be a bumper sticker too, King problems. King problems. Hashtag King problems. I, I don't know if it would sell great, but at the same time, I mean, it's one of those things where you're your own foil. And so, like, as a thing, I don't think we go quite that far to where we deal with the multiple realities. I think more likely we deal with the multiple hymns for multiple time streams, leaving the TVA stuff and, like, the uh, maybe the multiple reality versions of him to be something that maybe Loki deals with, because it's hard to say what season two is supposed to have. Mm-hmm. But he's right in the middle of the mix of all that. So I don't necessarily feel like we get a cameo of Loki in the Ant-Man movie. But, I mean, it's a possibility, I guess. I, I just, I feel like if that was the case, it probably would be something on the internet already about it, so I don't think that happens. Yeah, that's true. Well, but I've I've been doing myself some reading on the internet. Try not to spoil it for myself. Uh, obviously, there's two post-credit scenes, one mid-credit and one post. So that'll probably be big, as, of course, it is in the MCU. My, I, I don't know, Steve, did you get the notion or maybe even a small inkling that Ant-Man might actually die in this movie? Well, there's there's definitely moments in the teaser that sell that being a possibility. Um, and, I mean, some of the dialogue alone, I mean, depending on which trailers you've seen, because there's like, I think there's three now, there's one of them that winds up having a batch of dialogue where Mr. Uh, Ant-Man, Sir Scott Lang, is not completely beaten, but is not, clearly winning a fight, and uh, as he's fighting King, King says something to him like, you can never beat me. 
And he's like, well, I don't have to beat you. I just have to not let you win. And it poses the idea that time is not working for Mr. Uh, Mr. Majors or King in the moment. And with the way the world it seems to be shaping up to get us to the Young Avengers, which, I mean, again, would probably not be called that in the movie. It would probably just be called Straight Avengers because Young in the title is a rough pill to swallow. In a comic book, it's fine. Uh, in the movies, I think it'd be hard as a title to be okay with. Do you think maybe but they go new? What about the new Avengers? I mean, that's possible, but that also brands a different breed of character. I think more likely we just get Avengers mm-hmm. as a titling and we let the underlings take over. But when, it says, when you say underlings or when I say underlings, it, as a thing, who the Young Avengers cast was in the comic books, which we, I mean, we, you and me talked about this. I don't know if we talked about it on the show or not, but... As a thing, the Young Avengers cast is Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, um, Patriot, the grandson of... Elijah Bradley? Yes, thank you. I couldn't remember the name. And then um, there's... Hulk- Iron Lad. Hulkling? Hulkling also. Wiccan? Wiccan. Yeah. Yep. Hulkling, Wiccan, um, Iron Lad, and then we have Stature. And those were the primary characters from Young Avengers, from the first, for the first round of Young Avengers. And so, as far as pieces of the movies, well, we've had on and off again versions of Hulkling, or not Hulkling, of Wiccan, which would be one of the, actually both the boys were there, uh, Wiccan and the brother, the speedster, whose name I don't remember now. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, whoa, man, you're right. Yeah, he was there too. He I was. He was in WandaVision, yep. Yeah, uh, it's not impulse. That's a DC thing. No, uh, yeah, man, it might it might come back to me. Yeah, it, if it does. If it does, just blurt it out. We're blurters, brother. Blurt it out. Yeah, blurt it out. So, so the original cast had both the boys, um, mm-hmm. Wicked and the other one, the Speedster. And uh, while they are very different in the comic books than what we ever got in the movies, and there are elements that are same, but of course the movies have gone different, so a slightly different direction with the whole alternate reality and crazy. Magic box city it doesn't matter anyway. As far as the movies are concerned, we've had appearances by all of those characters, save for Iron Lad, because it, Bradley shows up in the Winter Soldier Falcon. He's uh, in three of the episodes, um, cameo wise. He's the grandson opens the doors, the easiest place to remember him, and uh, he's also at the museum at the end. So that is the character that pays is the Patriot. Um, we got Hawkeye in her own full movie with other Hawkeye, so a movie full series. So as far as that, we have a lot of Kate Bishop material. Um, when it comes to the boys, okay, WandaVision is where we first get them, and of course we get them in Doctor Strange. And while it's not the same as anything else, and is a very far cry from them being what they are in Young Avengers, they have appeared. So I mean, I guess there's a possibility there. Uh, I guess the only other character that we really haven't gotten, because we have, well, we have Scott Lang's daughter. That's who Stature is. Yeah, Cassie Lang. And at this point, Cassie's been in multiple movies with a couple different actresses playing her. So, and we know she's in this movie because of things we've already seen in the trailer. So that shouldn't be that shouldn't be a real spoiler that Stature's going to be in the movie as Stature, unless they give her a different name, which would be silly. So. Um, then when we come to like Hulkling, okay, we haven't had a Hulkling, but we are moving towards the whole secret invasion, which could easily give us a Hulkling. Mm-hmm. So as far as pieces, it's like half the cast is there. And as far as appearances are concerned, 
close to proper. Would you like? I mean, as far as sorry, Steve. Would you like to see that? Uh, I mean, I love the idea of a Young Avengers kind of like pastiches replacements for everybody. Your Captain America, your Iron Man, your Hulk, and all that stuff, and it's fantastic. But what about like a wholly different roster? Because as you know, as well as I do, the Avengers. Uh, lineup has varied greatly throughout its years i mean do we see three four five years down the road as these films and more of the plan comes to fruition instead of the the young avengers i throw quotes around that um we see people like daredevil like she hulk like blade like maybe an eternal uh become that core group of avengers as they get to i forget the name of it the king dynasty or the multi for, i forget the name okay. yeah the, okay. yeah as we've reached the culmination you know the, the fifth and sixth uh avengers movie do you think we'll have that i'm i'm leaning towards the roster of what they've populated so far uh and you know the marvels uh maybe moon knight makes an appearance i i actually almost i guess i don't know if we are agreeing or disagreeing or whatever. I actually don't think the Young Avengers will be there. I'm not sure Hulkling becomes, I mean, and Hulkling's the big biggest part about it because I think there's too much confusion from that character. You got to completely remove him from the idea of Hulk because he's so not a Hulk. There's no gamma radiation combined mm-hmm. with him. He's a scroll. There's no gamma radiation. Right. Yeah, he's a total scroll. I, that's, that's just my point. That's a caveat there, Steve. But, you know, keep going. I mean, do you think that? You know, you know, Jen Walters and Wong and uh, Peter Parker, uh, you know, they'll be your your main core or, or whoever. And it could be somebody different. Or do you think it, it's going to be like a huge roster of so many people that they're going to kind of just piecemeal together throughout two Avengers films that we have yet to see? Well, I mean, that's a that's a good question. When it comes to cast and options that you have, I mean, like you said, the Avengers roster in the comic books is a very deep well. But with that deep well comes a you know, batch of characters that have appeared in movies, and we just have no answer for whether they're going to be back around or not. I mean, if you look at New Avengers, there's been a couple casts of those, but I want to say both the most recent ones had Luke Cage. And at this point, we don't have any answer for that. Um, when it comes to Avengers cast, though, I mean, yeah, there's lots of people that have been on Avengers rosters. She-Hulk's a good answer. She'd be a good, a good representation. And like with the namesake, the uh, Hulkling... The whole reason that he was calling himself that in the comic books is because he didn't know what he was. So it was more of a mystery as far as to why he was able to do what he did and why he looked the way he looked. So namesake-wise, he called himself that because he felt like he must be that. The dude is... Made sense. The dude's scroll royalty, right? Yes. Well, he's scroll and Kree royalty both. Wow. So he's the... Uh, He's the answer to both tribes being chosen born of both royal blood and on both, both sides. The chosen one. Exactly. The golden child. The foil to both races, supposedly. Which also makes it dangerous, dangerous for both races because, you know, there's people in charge who don't like the idea of being get along. Yeah, Steve. So. That's, that's a great point, man, now that I think about it. Uh, secret invasion. I Do... Because we really haven't had, like, besides what happened in Captain Marvel, the real expanse of the Kree Scroll War throughout uh, the galaxy of, of Marvel 616. It's massive. It takes up uh, eons of time. It takes up galaxies. It spans that long. Um, do you think Secret Wars will expound on that? Because, I, boy. I, I like the idea of what happened after Captain Marvel with the scrolls and then what was happening with 
Nick Fury and Secret Invasion. And of course, reading the comics um, was it's a really good run. But I mean, do we have the Skull Kill crew? Are they going to be turned into the cows by Reed Richards? Is this going to set up our Fantastic Four <laughs> run? Are are the the cosmic entities elements of that going to come together? And you know, maybe do you think they have enough room in a show like that to fit something that big? It's, it's so many moving pieces. I, I so many, think man. More, it's almost hard yeah, to talk. It's almost hard to talk about because there's so many threads you could just pull. Well, and yeah, that's the thing with with the scrolls because of the way we've already introduced them. And, and when it comes to like fit in the world, when it comes to the war, just in general, there's good and bad on each side of pretty much everything. As far as regardless of which war you go back to, there's people who didn't want to be part of it. So, as far as factions. You can have good and bad on both sides, and when I say good and bad, I just mean like people that were subject to what they had to do because they were forced to be there, whatever. So having scrolls that were refugees from the situation and being hunted versus what the comic books do, which is kind of flip-flopped, um, makes both sides have you know equal parts bad in the idea of cosmic war. But as far as like uh, fit in the in the movies, I I would almost think we could probably expand that in use these scrolls for multiple movies. I don't necessarily think we're going to do that because I feel like it's a, a thing we're going to do this this whole secret invasion and then after secret invasion, maybe we put the scrolls to bed just because it's such a crazy concept and so easily answered with any question you want. I mean, you get a character that behaves wrong in the movie and you can say it's a scroll. You get a character that does something questionable, which I think maybe, uh, maybe we're going to find out that Sharon Carter... Or not Carter, Sharon, yeah, Sharon. Sharon Carter from uh, Cat America, Winter Soldier Falcon, that's what it was called. I have a feeling she's going to turn out to be a scroll only because fans were not very happy with the ending of Winter Soldier Falcon with the way they played her character. Oh, that's, that's easy. Isn't that easy, Kevin Feige? Oh, there's a hey. scroll. Whatever, he's a scroll. Hey, I did love, though. I'm I'm not going to complain that much, Steve, because I did love the same fallout in the books of Secret Invasion leading to uh, the dark, the dark rain. Oh yeah, it's really good. When it comes to stories, wonderful man, there's pivot. So many things cool wonderful pivot. Yeah, and like as far as a, a shape of stories, I don't like I don't I don't necessarily think we get the scrolls as bad guys through a bunch of stuff, but when it comes to like deep paths. I can't say the scroll kill crew is an impossibility, but at the same time, because we don't have a proper X-Men yet or a proper Fantastic Four yet, is the idea of, you know, the group being turned into cows because mentally they agree to stay on Earth and not do anything, and then they get trapped that way because, you know, Professor X can be a jerk. <laughs> That's, well, but, I mean, I mean, you know, Steve, as a thing. You're, you're pointing out, and this is great. If you're familiar with the comics, you're pointing out one of the biggest motivators for the Scroll Empire to <laughs> squash Earth out. Not only was there bigger plans, of course, for Scroll expansion, there was the Scroll homeworld kind of dying and moving on. But if you remember, uh, Varenki's one of Varenki's main motivations in taking over Earth was because she's angry that. Yeah, Earth turned her brethren into hamburgers, and which was not necessarily intended by, you know, the professor. But you know, farmers do what farmers do, and they're like, we have a bunch of extra cows. You know, yeah, yeah, meat. Which, well, I mean, did lead to other things that were kind of neat, but yeah, yeah. I don't. I think that that's a, 
little farther away than something that will happen in the, sure. it's, in the it, MCU, probably. It's it's fun. It's it's fun to talk about, man, because it was such a wonderful moment of uh, of a reveal, like a hey, a wink. And a nod to those of us who have stuck with comics for so long. And that, that's what I really love in the movies, those, those moments. Um, yeah, those, those moments are some of my favorite, man. And I'm, I'm sure we're going to see plenty in the next phase of the MCU and, and, and so on and so forth. But anyway, are you going to be uh, anywhere out and about uh, when it opens? Uh, planning to do trivia at the picture show on Thursday for opening night. Awesome. Um, so yeah, I plan to be there and do that, uh, the evening shows over there. So we'll see how many screens it gets to at that point. I mean, right now there's only the three, which I'm kind of surprised by, but we'll see. I mean, as far as shifting is, happens, there'll probably be one more to add in, it, as the day expands. Is Avatar still running that hot? Holy cow. I, you know, I don't know if it is or not. And when it comes to Avatar, like... I feel like we might talk about it a tiny bit. Like visually, it's very pretty. The story's okay, but I, yeah. it's still getting it's still getting views. Again, it's a it's a pretty big movie. Yeah, it's it's very pretty. It it is pretty. You're you're right, Steve. James Cameron makes pretty things. Uh, he doesn't care. He he builds beautiful like exoskeletons. You know, as far as the meat yeah. and potatoes and you know the bones of the good story. Sometimes Cameron lacks. He did. Great work in Aliens and T2 in Titanic. All of those were really good. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, you know, last few Cameron movies, Avatar included, have been, I think, because of how big of projects those are, the story, the writing, the character development was a bit of a one-off because everybody was trying to figure out how to act underwater or act in front of one of those 3D cameras that are now basically st- industry standards. Right. Well, yeah, time for the world. I mean, you've got to give them credit there as far as things that were being used that were new and innovative at the time. And that's the biggest impact that movie really had is shaping how new material was being used, new new cameras and new just concepts of filming altogether. And, like, the new, the new Avatar movie is like a beautiful documentary about a space planet, I guess. But, yeah, it still is. I it mean, is. Visually, it's... I, it's very, very appealing. I was half waiting for David Attenborough to come in and say, now this is where the <laughs> Navi will be mating. You know, it's it's like a classic BBC, you know, world documentary there, especially with the visuals, especially what they got from the underwater stuff. Yeah, Avatar is, Avatar is beautiful, man. And the MCU is beautiful. You know, is the DCU going to be beautiful? Steve, already, man, are the expectations too much? Is this something that's going to crush under the weight of itself before it even has a chance to say, you know, what's up, hello? Oh, man, that's possible. Uh, I don't... Being the way that they broached what they're supposed to be putting out first and making the first step to Creature Commandos, like we talked about last episode, I think they give you an avenue for... Even if it's bad, it'll be okay because it, it's designed it as a piece that could easily be a one-off by itself. We we have all this other stuff coming out this year, and, like, Blue Beetle does look... This trailer looks great. The suit looks awesome. The kid playing uh, playing Jaime, I think, is great. Uh, he's from Cobra Kai, he, the TV... Or the Netflix, well, Netflix and YouTube show. And I feel like that kid's a good actor. 
I don't necessarily feel like the story around them is going to be great, but until we're there, it's hard to say for sure, like what exactly is happening. And as a thing, I guess we'll just see whether it, how it shakes out. But visually, I mean, the, the trailer looked cool. I got to check that out. I haven't we, seen that yet. Oh, no, it's understandable because it's not being advertised heavily because I don't think they realized where they were putting it out until, you know, this recent batch of stuff that was mentioned and the fact it's still coming out is also something, too, that I don't know if they, anybody really realized was going to be happening. But we got that thing coming out and we got Shazam coming out and with both those movies and then The Flash coming out, as far as pieces are concerned, I think depending how those movies are received will probably be part of what fuels other things moving forward, not necessarily as a continuation, but as a uh, how much of a wave of a wand is given. And granted, everything James is wanting to do is, or not James, everything Gunn's wanting to do is brand new and going to be different and shaped different. But he made them a bunch of money with Suicide Squad. I give you Peacemaker was a streaming show, so it's hard to say exactly what kind of return that got. But, I mean, I would say subscriptions were probably up since they greenlit a second season before all this other craziness happened. Mm-hmm. And that's still happening. So, yeah. yeah. When it comes to Disney, I mean, if you look at the Guardians of the Galaxy track record, well, um, they made a lot of money. Yeah. So, and while that is for the opposing company, it doesn't change that I imagine the amount of give that they give him will be a fairly far berth, at least at the beginning. Yeah. Well, it was, um, it was a bit of a gamble, like, as you say, for Disney to put Guardians out there. That was uh, still in the infancy of Disney's ownership of what was happening at the time with the MCU, because it was Paramount, uh, the first couple of runs. I believe the whole first phase almost is Paramount, isn't it? All the way up until the very first Avengers movie? From what I remember, yes. Yeah, and the fact is that, you know, once Disney kind of acquired all the rights to that, they decided on Guardians of the Galaxy, which was a risk at the time because, again, a bunch of people no one really knows about uh, in a talking raccoon and the world's most powerful tree. Um, yeah, and people loved it because I think half of it was connected. Second of all, it was well done by Gunn. I, you know, for me, before I even say James and Peter are digging a hole for themselves before they've even, you know, set foot anywhere i look warner brothers was desperate steve they needed <laughs> something and and they got it in the form of this and now everybody's retroactively kind of you know throwing their two cents in and that's what it feels like right now well, i mean they're always going to be playing catch up with the stage in the game they're at right now had uh had things been aimed differently when their previous attempt and it's not to say that the only way to do things is the Marvel way, because Marvel is making up as they go along. Like people want to talk about how they've had a plan, blah, 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 blah. But at the beginning, they didn't. I, I'll give you Favre and uh, Junior with plans for Iron Man. Yeah, there was plans that they had in place to try to make two to three movies, Iron Man movies, not necessarily Avengers movies. And then once Kevin Feige got in there and started directing things and driving things around... It did get to be a bigger plan, that's true. But what Gunn is planning to do is take the, not necessarily the Marvel format, but take the concept of a 10-year plan to go and make that the start and try to run forward. Is it too little too late? I mean, maybe. But as a thing, I mean, the roadmap that Marvel's laid out, because he's been a person that worked inside that roadmap, he's been able to see the goods and the bads from it, because there's flaws. We've had things come out that 
aren't perfectly received or don't have the uh, all all the fan support that they deserve. Probably. Have you thought about Steve? What you would do if you were James Gunn and uh, Peter Safran? Have you thought about your first projects, maybe with the the Trinity, if you had him? Would you pick a certain run? Would you try to do something completely original? This is what I think everybody wants to know. Um, would would you just you know keep with what you you know had going? Those are all really big decisions, and obviously, just like you know, right. the, the limbo Blue Beetles in, and the one Black Adams in, and possibly this new Shazam movie is in. I mean, really, kind of puts a, a exclamation point on that idea. It's like, do do they know what they're gonna do? Are are, are they doing something? Because Black Adam felt new fifty two ish. Obviously, Shazam was uh, like again Jeff Johns version, uh, I believe, of Billy Bastion. Billy Batson uh, growing up and uh, becoming the red and white caped superhero. And as far as, you know, Matt Reeves and Batman, gosh, that that that's almost completely new as well. So uh, would would there be any different? What would you do, man? I think that's a good question I want to ask you now that I think of it. What would you do? What would you base your stuff on if you had the complete creative control like Gunn and Saffron do? Man... Well, given that avenue, if if that was the case, I mean, as far as the old and the new is concerned, I would still say the Snyderverse would be off the table for me, at least. Ooh, bold words. Bold words. They're going to spam you. They're going to come after you. They're going to come leave a mean comment on your Instagram. By the way, it's Top 5 Comics CBS Instagram. Top 5 Comics CBS. (laughs) That's that's where you go spam him. It's not because of dislike. What was made, what was made was was interesting and neat. It just, I'm going to say, timing wise. I mean, we've talked about it before. The the problems with things come to the core elements of the characters. And Injustice is a fantastic batch of comic books, and the game is super fun, and all the neat things in that are really cool. But without a proper Justice League first, the turn of Superman into anything but Superman doesn't make any sense. And a Superman that's willing to let his father die isn't a Superman that is... Super. Isn't a Superman that's super. Exactly. That's perfect. So when it comes to that, I feel like Henry's surrounded by a bunch of stuff that is baggage. I don't think I would have fired Henry. I think as far as the world concerned, the only person that on my roster of things with casting that I'd have questions about would be... That would be the Flash. And when it comes to Ezra Miller, uh, his situation in life is so questionable right now that he'd be the only one I wouldn't be like, hmm, here's a green light. Because <laughs> I feel like everybody else is salvageable. And when I say salvageable, I mean the way I would do that. As a thing, regardless of how Flashpoint ends, dimming that I would push for it, and I've talked to most, a few other people about this and as far as a thing, would be an ending that everything flashes to white, and then the pullback opening is a scene of Kansas, which uh, my buddy Josh ran this out real well, and I'm kind of completely on board. You pull back, and it's a scene of a cornfield with a rocket crashed in it, and then I would give it a voiceover. As far as who, I mean, at this point, I don't really know. That'd be a piece that we'd have to work on. Um, But the voiceover would say, the world will be different, and that's where it will end with a smoking rocket in the field and maybe a truck stopped on the road. And as far as the origin is concerned, that tells you that it's the beginning of the universe again, real easily. That's... Now, if you skip 
kind of flashpoint you never see it then maybe be lost still and that's it's fine, kind of whatever kind of brilliant steve that's kind of brilliant no yeah i think i think it would be and when it comes to casting of characters because of that and because of the statement that goes along with it as soon as we come to the first superman movie it doesn't actually have to be origin again I mean, I would give it a little bit of origin just because we can use a different actor to play the kid version of Superman and we don't have to worry about Henry playing the part. But as soon as we get to the idea of any kind of tornado, that would never be a thing. Not ever. If we're going to show John Kent's death, it's going to be the proper death where he dies of a heart attack because it makes Superman human, just like all of us. Because if, if you're not in the right place in the world and you're not lucky enough to manage to survive something like that, Especially if you're a man working out in the field in Kansas, dealing with crops or whatever it is he's doing. I don't care, belling, belling hay, walking the dog, whatever. With all Superman's powers, regardless of his strength, regardless of his speed, regardless of his knowledge, regardless of everything he can do, he's still not a doctor, and performing heart surgery in a field would never happen. So just like us, he can't stop that. And that's a really important part not not just the death, but it's a really important part of Superman's core character because he, 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 the best part about Superman is he wants to be like us. And if we can sit in the, in the same boat, and that, that example is the best example because unless you are a surgeon or a heart doctor or the person's in the right place at the right time, trying to survive through something like that, especially in the scenario that John Kent was faced with in the books when he died, Superman can't fix it with his powers. And people constantly say, oh, he's got too many powers, blah, blah, blah. And it's true, he's got a lot. He's super. He's a superman. But the piece that makes him like us is his humanity. And this That's, movie's never had that. It's pretty beautiful, man. So, I'm, I'm a little misty after hearing you talk about it. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, I mean, those are all my... I agree with you, and we agree a lot about it. Because I think the best moments of Superman aren't him punching a giant meteor or Doomsday... There are those little ones where he stops and he, yeah, shows his desire to be a human and kind of that burden he carries of being better than human because we want to be him. He wants to be us. He wants us to be happy with who we are. And obviously we're not. And like, it's funny because meeting Superman, the idea, the myth, if you will, halfway would make us all a better person. And I, that's really what you're getting at. The ideal, I mean, mm -hmm. besides a character, yeah, the representation of what Superman is all about is exactly that. What makes us strong is the fact that we are human and that humanity right. is, you know, it's the gift, is the is the superpower, is, is the ability to fly. And yeah, um, that would be pretty gorgeous, man. I mean, God, it would... You could almost have an anth. Could you have an anthology like All Star Superman starring Henry Cavill? I, gosh, I mean, what do you do with Batman? Do you do the Court of Owls? Obviously, you keep Patty Jenkins and what she did with World uh, uh, Wonder Woman. The first one was a just. I don't know that. I I couldn't have made that movie any better. The very first, and then there you have the the Trinity, right? So I guess right. if we're you know sticking in this hypothetical, what is your Batman choice then? Obviously, you're not going to do an origin because just like Superman. Batman's origin is so well known. You don't need to do that right. again. Where do you go there? Well, yeah, and with that, like when it comes to Superman movie, I, I'm not saying we need the full Death of Krypton and all the stuff they did with. The, I mean, the, that, the, that Batman is still a movie, 
all the Jarrell parts are so good mm-hmm. that if there was even like two more minutes of Jarrell on screen, that's the movie I would have wanted instead mm-hmm. than Superman, which is not good, but was awesome. I don't necessarily feel like we need the death of Krypton the same way. I mean, referenced, of course, and like I said, I would put the pieces in to fix the story of his youth and uh, sell the idea of how he actually fits as a person. Then after that, I think you can move forward with Henry and just let let him try to play the part with a script more designed with a Superman that smiles, with a Superman that is uh, uh, about the little the, things, not just about yeah. the, you know, the bravado part. And the, the best okay. version. The best version of Superman, man, in my opinion. Right. So, like, when it comes to Batman, Court of Owls, I think, is too early. And I'm not saying we got to go all the way back and do an original Batman Robin story with with Mr. Grayson, although he is my favorite Robin, really. I mean, I love Damien, and I, yeah. I actually like all the boys, oh, you know. to be honest. I like all, I like all those guys. He's one of the most well developed. Yeah, Dick's like one of the most well developed. He's he's got he's got redemption. He's got disgrace. He's got uh, revolution. He's got all of that in his character, man. And he's such a complete right. character. So, like, when it comes to Batman origin, initially when I heard that what what Mister Gunn wanted to do was was, was Damien, I was like, seriously. But I get why now. Uh, over more talk, I think we talked about it too when we were talking about it last week. Like we I did. Get it. Yeah. You let let Nightwing be his own thing. We're going to start a little more core time frame right now. And if we do backstories for Jason Todd or for Dick Grayson or God forbid they try to do anything with Tim, which would be just we'll see. I think to get their own backstory and their own movies. So when it comes to like starting a DC universe, it was up to me. We do Superman movie first. I'll give you I am a bigger Batman fan just in general, but I think Superman is your he is your core of the DC universe as far as a character. Batman may sell more books because he does. Batman may be more popular because I'm going to say he probably is. But it doesn't change that Superman is the core of the universe. And if your Superman is not right, nothing else is going to be right around him. <laughs> so that's where I would start first. Then after that, Batman, I mean, as far as stories, the Grant Morrison run that they're talking about is a, is a, good, is a good match because it gives you the origin for Damien and you start with a character that is at this point, still new to the comic book universe. I mean, yeah, he's been around now, what, 14 years? I guess, when did Batman 666 come out? I guess I would have to look that up to figure that out. That. It was Andy Kubert uh, with Grant Morrison, 2007, Batman and Son. That... So, as far as origins or stories, he's been around for a fair amount of time now. Yep, so when it comes 2007. To stories, I'm, I'm sorry. No, oh, you're good. I think the the place you need to start with him, which I, I kind of think is what they're going to be doing, actually, is the origin of him being dropped off by Talia Ghoul, like the very first story. You start there, you drop bat, you drop him off at the Batcave. Well, you open up with with uh, the story starting with Batman on a different mission, and when he gets home, he's like, things aren't right. And then eventually we stumble into the kid. I still don't think we get Tim Drake the right way, because he's a big part of that story, too. Because at the time, he was Robin, and when Damien shows up, his first decision is to try to kill Tim Drake, because in the League of Assassins, in order to move up, you kill the guy in front of you. Which, you know, is a scary kind of business proposition, considering. But that's the first thing he was trying to do. Now, granted, he was dropped off by his mom, because his mom didn't want him to get used as a surrogate for Rasso Ghoul's consciousness, which is also pretty messed up. <laughs> it, it totally is. It's completely messed up. 
But that's why she took him there and why she dropped him off, because she knew that Bruce and his flock would never allow that to happen. Mm. And if anybody could protect her son from her father, it, it would, would be yeah. Batman. Batman, yeah. And so if, if we're going to aim at Damien, I would say that would be the story I would pick, would be, would be that one. That, that my friend? I, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, oh, you know, Batman the parent, I still think for a lot of people as well, is... Something new. The casual uh, comic uh, consuming public, I believe, also probably may or may not. I would say there's a 50-50 shot. They'd be aware of the fact that Batman's a father. I love the Batman father arc. It's really good. Um, I think that's why I uh, didn't disown Damien right away, because you can with his personality, where he came from and how he acts. He's a bit he's a bit of a he's a bit of a jabroni. He's a bit of a jabroni. Yeah. Oh yeah, 100%. Total jabroni. And um he uh yeah, is isn't well liked, but you know, he he makes right the right decisions and he grows on you and you don't automatically accept him like you would of uh, Tim Drake or uh Dick Grayson. And the the back and forth between, you know, Damien and, and Bruce is really good. And I think that would be a refreshing take. A really refreshing take for a DCEU, which could could give it a lot of steam, a lot of momentum, because I think people, most people who consume that type of thing would be like, wait a minute, Batman's a father? And, you know, something me and you have known, obviously, like you said, for the better part of two decades. But for them, yeah, that could be, that, that could be, that could be genius, brother. That could be genius. Uh, since we're running up against it, my man, um, let's, let's, let's circle back, because I definitely want to hear your thoughts on the poaching of Marvel talent from DC because of James Gunn. <laughs> I like that idea. I mean, <laughs> all's fair in love in comic books, right? I mean, the, the people do get traded. Well, not traded. People get picked up and dropped by companies all over the place. When it comes to, I mean, you can go when it comes to comic books. You can go all the way back to to Jack Kirby, and Dear Jack King Kirby, synonymous with Stanley. And if you never heard the name, it's because Stan was really good at getting in front of the media, and Stan was a a good marketing man when Jack didn't want any of that. So he was the guy who drew the books and Stan wrote the books. And the truth of the matter is that in the early days, Jack drew things and Stan wrote pictures, wrote words to go with the pictures. Because that is the truth. Stan was a second story piece because Jack drew it. And then Stan tried to make a story out of it. So uh, the world was very different back then. But Jack, for the company point, would be mistreated by Marvel, and then he would leave Marvel, and he would go to DC, and they pick him right up and say, "Yeah, yeah, come work for us, Jack." And then he'd do some stuff for them, and then he'd run into it over there too, and he'd be done with them, and then he'd go right back to Marvel. So the man straddled between the companies multiple times. I mean, if you look at uh, bad good examples, I mean, Darkseid is very Thanosy, and while he's not great Thanos, he worked at the company that did. And uh, when you look at the Eternals, well, the Eternals. They are very samey as a group of characters called the New Gods, and the New Gods, um, they are uh, they are a DC property, and the uh, other group is the Marvel property that had a terrible movie. <laughs> Too many characters, man. I I feel sorry for what I, f- I forget her name, the very good Asian director who got a lot of love. Oh yeah, I can't. I don't remember her name. Visually, the movie is fantastic. Visually, it's amazing. Just too many, too many characters, too many things that people weren't familiar with. You got, you got to have uh, uh, something to put people's feet on the ground, and that one 
really didn't. It could have been a standalone movie, period. I mean, you could have been like, this is just a, an action movie. Uh, yeah, fairly, fairly easily. It fairly. never worked out. Didn't work out great the way they they were hoping it would. And yeah. there's there's lots of different things in that movie to point out that are like whatever. But mm-hmm. visually, it's still fantastic. So I don't really blame her for any of that. No, I mean, um, yeah, the eternal yeah. coming out of the the sea at the end. I'm excited to see if that's the beginning of you know the X Men like we talked about. But keep going. Sorry, Steve. Well, you're good. No worries. Yeah, I mean, uh, full words. Um, but yeah, so like, when it comes to trading back and forth, that's happened plenty of places and. I mean, Sean Murphy, who's a fantastic artist and very good writer as well, he's a good example. I mean, in his early days of his career, he was trying to get hired by Marvel and did this thing called the ABC's Wolverine. Google it because it's awesome. Uh, he turned it into a book, and then Marvel slapped him with a cease and desist, and his reaction to the cease and desist got a lot of notice. And uh, DC said, who's this guy they won't hire? And then since then, he's worked for DC. Great, he's done some independent books too, so it's not like he's been a... Only DC man, but uh, as a thing, it's a Marvel's mistake because his Punisher would have been amazing. Hmm. His Wolverine would have been amazing because the guy's fantastic. But when it comes to movies, like the the current, well, not current, the the fan theory or the uh, what do you call that? It's con- not a theory; it's a uh, conspiracy. That's what I wanted. <laughs> I was about to say uh, conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. So the, the conspiracy is that James Gunn is really there to destroy DC from the inside out, so that way Disney slash Marvel can buy it. Is that right? And I I have a hard time subscribing to that idea simply because the only reason he was over there is because they let him go from Guardians. They only let him go from Guardians because the internet went crazy and Disney is gun shy. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> how long you been sitting on that how long you been sitting on that one steve you gotta say I mean, that earlier you know, man don't bottle that up don't bottle that genius up steve let it fly let it go uh, gun shy <laughs> yeah. although i so, something that occurs to me right away though steve disney hmm. has absolutely the capital and money to buy warner brothers outright yeah and that's the thing they, they, they really they really have the money that yeah the main issue is whether or not either the companies that own res- respected parts of it are willing to sell it. Mm-hmm. So, like, and at this point, it's changed hands because we were with AT&T and, well, now we're with Discovery. And so it's it's moved around a few places. I mean, I, I would say more likely the real truth about that is that it's not a matter of Disney having the money. It's more a matter of uh, if they do buy it, then does that push them past that line of being um, – Oh gosh, what does it mean when you bought all the com- no competition and, and there's a whole world about it when you're a business? Oh yeah. Oh my god. I was just about to say. It. No, I, I was going to say this is almost like a, an entire, uh, but they call it a monopoly, and I don't even know yeah. if the government would allow this to happen because there are laws in place. The biggest one, and I've done research on this for not for comic books. It's called the Sherman Antitrust Act. What it does is basically says an unlawful monopoly that exists should be broken up. So if D- Disney would ever think about that, they've got to be knocking on the door of, of that, of being, you know, uh, real close to a perpetrator of uh, an antitrust lawsuit, because you're absolutely right. As far as entertainment goes, they would be it. They they would be it. Don't, right. Do they own Hasbro? Doesn't Disney own Hasbro? Oh, man, you know, I don't know that. Maybe. Wow. I'm not sure about that. That'd be wild. I don't know that. But when it comes to things they do own, I mean, yes. at this point, it's it's a fairly big conglomeration. And if 
they bought that. I mean, I, I guess the real easy answer would be that if they decide to do it, to just go ahead and uh, make Marvel its own company again and give it its own titling, even though it would be, you know, Disney's dirty stepchild, <laughs> uh, turn it into its own company and let it run as a full machine, which, I mean, I'm surprised I haven't done that already, to be honest. But yeah, yeah. when it comes to the idea of buying it, I mean, there's there's things that, that make it not a possibility. I don't think it's a... I don't think it's an impossibility, mind you. But I, if they were going to buy it, I don't think they would really need to send a, 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 a assassin or a gun, as you would. Ah, there's another one. You stopped that. Would you stop yeah, I that? I know. I know. Over, over to DC or Warner Brothers to do it. You're out here murdering. Like... Just murdering people <laughs> with puns. Straight I just, murdering. I don't think, you know. <laughs> Uh, oh, okay. get your gun. That's I'm sorry. Right. Anyway. No, totally. It's like, I mean, I was coming. Oh well. So you, like, yeah. When go it ahead. comes to that, the, the amount of pieces that fell into place to make that to make him show up on the Suicide Squad at all, and if that was really a truth, and that was what their plan was, then I have a feeling that we would have tanked that movie instead. Yeah. Because they were they were already on the ropes at that point. That, so, you know, and now his wife works there. I mean. Look, I wouldn't necessarily say that you'd be willing to fire her. I mean, his his brother works for both companies, so that's fine. If you but uh, go back to the great example you used of the Monday Night Wars in the early late '90s, early 2000s between the WWF, the World Wrestling Federation, before it was sued by the World Wildlife Fund and had to change their name. They, yeah. yeah, absolutely. They created probably the biggest time, the most profitable time in wrestling's history by doing that. Uh, and then, of course, after the buyout and after McMahon realized he had he had two properties and there was this no way absolutely he could probably manage them while being a successful entity on either side, he decided to just absorb WCW and that was the end of that. Now, is that writing on the wall for what like you're talking about, Steve? Eh, maybe. Would it make for high drama? Yeah, it would. Would the United States government be involved? Most likely. Now, if that is how it plays out, brother, that's that's just how it's going to play out. But I don't know. I, I don't know. If I was a guy like Kevin Feige, I wouldn't want that much more responsibility. You know, I'd be like, I've got, oh, no, yeah, I've got enough sure. on my plate, guys. Uh, speaking of, let's wrap this bad boy up. You've got some things on our put on our plate when it comes to brand new uh, issues of everything. There's a lot of fun stuff going on. I picked up. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, the very first uh, Sins of Sinister, the whole kind of culmination of the Krakoa era of the X-Men. It is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I would recommend everybody check it out if you are a fan of alternate universes, new costumes, amalgamated characters, just all the craziness of comics. They are doing it very well in Sins of Sinister. And Steve, so I appreciate you putting in that my uh, putting that one in my uh, my my bundle. If you will, yeah, yeah, man, that was that was really good. Uh, I'm very excited about the the whenever uh, Noctera will pick back up. That was freaking amazing. I've got to get though, Steve. And here's what I wanted to ask you, buddy: What is all the hoopla around uh, the Batman Joker duo? The what are they calling it? The uh, the mm -hmm. Deadly Duo. The deadly Duo. Yeah. yeah. Is that a one off or is that in canon? It is currently a one off. Um, it's being done as a black label book. Uh, the guy who's making it is Mr. Mark Silvestri, who, uh, depending on what era of comic books you're from, you either know him as the guy who made the darkness and uh, runs Top Cow Comics, or you remember they used to do the X-Men before that and the walkout on Marvel back in the day before Image became a thing. 
Uh, he was one of the original Image 7. And uh, this is a story that I, I can tell you uh, about 10 years ago, 8 years ago, somewhere in that ballpark, he initially pitched to D.C., and D.C. gave him a green light. And then something derailed it, which I'm going to guess is probably the truth of New 52 becoming a thing. And during New 52, since everything aligned, savers and starting places, which I mean, we've talked about before, mm-hmm. um, Elseworld stories weren't really a thing. And uh, they weren't planning on doing that as a thing for the foreseeable future, so it got sidelined. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to the book itself, uh, it's drawn by Mark, written by Mark, and uh, he's got a darker, darker tone to him when he does things, and it's been pretty good, and the art is definitely great. Well, uh, but it, but it is, it is one off. It's a miniseries. It's a five part. That's his. That's his strength. Sylvester's uh, strength is his art. It is. It's sharp. It's got that edge. Uh, I mean, it wasn't. I don't want to say he defined part of the '90s style, but he definitely had so much influence in it as people kind of copied him almost for ten years. After that, it it is really really amazing. He did didn't he work on Cyberforce as well? Yep, along that's, with the darkest. Yeah, yeah, Top Cow. I mean, and if if you want, and real quick, you, Witchblade, um, the Darkness, uh, Cyberforce. Gosh, what else was in Top Cow? Man, there was, there, there was, they were kind of a thing for a minute, just kind of a thing. Oh yeah, as far yeah. as company. Yeah, I mean, Witch, Witchblade and Darkness would probably be their two biggest right. titles, and then a bunch of stuff spun out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Angels, no, Angelus, uh, Magdalena, um, Cyberforce. It was mostly image proper, but it did have some of its characters spin out into other books. And the two properties, like Top Cow and Image, they're sister companies. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, they're different divisions. A lot like you could liken it to Jim Lee and Wildstorm being part of Image. There you go. Wildstorm was his own imprint, and now, of course, it's part of DC, which we talked about a little bit last week with the, the properties that Mr. Gunn was picking from, that some of them are from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the same idea. Top Cow is. A secondary imprint that's a sister to the uh, Image Image Comics imprint. No, I see. Man. Um, I see. That's... But yeah, as far as fit, I mean, the man has done a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's he's a name. He's, he's definitely an icon. Yeah. For sure. Oh, for sure. Speaking of icons, man, jumping over to the other side, um, I was also hearing a lot of buzz about the 60th anniversary of Marvel. Uh, I hear Nick Fury's getting a lot of love for his 60th anniversary, and the Avengers as well will be throwing a bunch of stuff. Uh, what do you know about the, the big 6-0 for uh, the House of Ideas? Well, we've got a bunch of books that are starting volumized, going kind to of volumize again, so we're going to get a brand new, uh, the brand new Avengers series, and the titling so far appears as The Avengers, so I think probably proper titling, that's how it's going to be listed places. Uh, they're doing a couple different covers with the Vision, which they've showed that it's an anniversary for him as well. So as far as stories, we're going to get a whole batch of stuff that we get new number ones for, and a few of the books will be new, a few books will be volumized, I mean, the Avengers run right now that... Uh, Jason Aaron's been doing is going to come to an end, and then this will be what replaces that as a moniker, I guess, uh, for the anniversary moving forward. Yeah, there's actually kind of a couple of like uh, anniversaries going on. Disney's doing their 100 Years of Disney with uh, variant Spider-Man comics that are depictions of our Disney cast in recreation covers of classic Marvel books. So far, there's only the two of them out. They're supposed to be. That's cool. Throughout the year, so the most the first one was an Avengers um, cover recreation, but instead of Captain America, it's Mickey Mouse as Captain America, and then <laughs> insert other characters around him. Uh, same thing with the newest one that came out for number nineteen of Spider Man came out this week. Uh, it's uh, a Fantastic Four cover recreation, so the first Fantastic Four with the monster coming out of the ground. Mm-hmm. 
just uh, you know, it's a beetle, beetle, it's beetle, uh, beetle boy instead of a, a giant monster. <laughs> and then surrounded by Disney flavored versions of everyone. Yeah. So I mean, we got that going on as an anniversary, the sixth anniversary as an anniversary. More stuff's going to come out about that in the next couple of months, just because the previous catalog is the way they're distanced out apart. So it's going to be neat to see what mm. comes out. And if you're an Avengers person, that's like, man, I can't believe we're in 80. How far are we now? 80? I don't remember. <laughs> Number-wise, we're, we're pretty deep in the double aughts, yeah, the double yeah. numbers. So if you're like, oh, man, I don't think I read 80 books or whatever, well, there's going to be a new number one. So that, that'll give you a chance to... Decided to get on board again and ride the ride the train. I guess. Hey, well, I guess we're not, guess we're guess we're sixty five in. I I thought we were farther, but that's all right. Well, I, I'm I'm kind of subscribing to it, Steve. When you gave me a copy of the the Gargoyles one and two, I did I did like it. I also hear that Scar is going to get a villain origin story as far as Disney goes, which is pretty cool. But uh, one thing I wanted to just reminded me uh, touching on it. You touched on it before the injustice uh, kind of alternate timeline. Um, Tom Taylor is going to be headed back into the Injustice uh, universe, right? With Jonathan Kent, is that right? There's, yeah, we're supposed to be adding some new flavor to the Injustice stuff. Uh, of course, we have a bunch of new characters, um, new-ish characters that were never part of those stories. So it'll be interesting to see how they uh, get mixed into stuff. And we're getting we're getting a couple other series. Start we're getting a brand new Green Arrow, which is regular continuity. Ooh. and we're getting a new mini series for Connor. So uh, the original Superboy, Superboy yeah. clone. So he's going to get his own series, and at least the first couple covers, he's in all of his jacket glory, so that should be awesome. Hopefully it's that way in the book. I guess we'll see. Like I mean, the, the, like the original? He, he like definitely the, has it on. The original but, uh, Superboy? The the original Superboy? Like the clone Superboy that came out after the death of Superman? That, that original that look? Oh, man. That's iconic stuff. Oh, and stuff that was... For the most part, put on the shelf for most of re or most of fifty two is put on the shelf for and then mm-hmm. during rebirth we've had him show up in a few books and did a whole storyline. It was called Young Justice, where we rescued him from Jim World, which was kind of questionable. He was there, but they made sense of it. It was fine. Um, <laughs> Question: Yeah, a lot of people make questionable decisions when it comes to putting comics <laughs> together. What what are you gonna What are you gonna do, man? Is there anything else, sir, that that, that you're you're excited about? You want to tell people about when it comes to books on the shelf at uh, top five? I mean, well, there's always new stuff and always always great things to try to find and read. I mean, the main thing about comics is that there's an avenue for almost everything. So when it comes to stories, I mean, if punching supervillains in the face isn't necessarily your thing, well, we, we have books that go around that, too. If hunting monsters is your thing, there's books for that. If, if you want sci-fi thriller, there's books for that. If you want vampires... We got tons of vampires. I mean, we shouldn't, but there's tons of them. Yeah, you mean? Uh, so I mean, they, they even characters, right? I love the Archie comic series. I mean, the supernatural twist that they're doing. Like, if you remember Archie, and now what they're doing is, yeah, like you said, Steve, something for everybody. Keep going. Right, well, something for everyone. Like barbarians, are esteemed, and we've got Conan and Bar. Well, Conan's shifting company, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, but Ooh. there's Bar- Barbaric, which is fantastic. Uh, from Vault Comics, uh, artist Nathan Gooden on it. I, I'm sure I've mentioned it before on the show. It's it's written by Michael Morisi, and it's well just awesome. Actually, yeah. the soft cover of it came out. Well written. Yeah, right? It's great. Yeah, it is great, um, man. 
It's an adult. They put out soft covers for Volume One and Volume Two uh, about a week ago. So Barbaric is a bit sorry, a bit of an adult comic. <laughs> okay, it does have. Okay, it's made not for the kids. So don't, I mean, don't pick it up for the. It, it, yeah, it's a it is a mature reader, but you're dealing with barbarians. So mm-hmm. I mean, just like yeah. you probably shouldn't have your kids watch Conan unless they're you know in their teenage years. Because it'd be likened to the same thing. I mean, if you go watch Conan and be like, "Oh, this is too much," then okay, you should probably definitely wait for Barbaric. That'd be a better choice. But on the other side of that, I mean, there's <laughs> there's other books that are more you know akin to younger audiences. I mean, we're in a third volume of Batman the Animated Series, which is a continuation from the original cartoon. Nice. And uh, as far as the thing, I feel like they haven't really missed a beat, and they've, they're fun books, and they've been neat. So, oh, well, as far as uh, options in the world, I mean, there, there are lots of options. Indeed. And, I, and I'm going to ask you one last question before I let you go, Steve. Um, does Top 5 have a collection of Sandman? Because I know uh, after the Netflix uh, hubbub, Neil Gaiman got back to writing Sandman stuff, and that's pretty big for those who uh, those who are fans of it. I've read Sandman. I don't know if you have. It's good. It's different, but it is good. Does Top Five uh, dabble in uh, Sandman stuff? Well, as far as Sandman, when it comes to individual issues, at this point, I'm going to say we have no proper Sandman individual issues in the store right now, mostly because of the TV show happening. Oh wow, they, um, they cleaned you out, huh? Well, it, it's just like as soon as somebody talks about Spawn, all of a sudden old Spawn books get picked up in, <laughs> the, movie, in the movie world for sake of it, you of know. Of course. Just, you know, off chance of, it's just that chasing, scalping mentality of things. Yeah. Um, but there are some newer ones that, um, he, he is a shepherd too, but he's not actually writing. So we have a new Dead Boy Detectives that just started. Ooh. And it's uh, two issues in, and they are characters from the Sandman mythos and universe. Um, so it, the treatment, I guess, was done by him, but uh, the book itself is being written by a, a different writer. Uh, so it, as far as uh, Grant, or as far as uh, Neil's concerned, that particular series is not written by him, um, but it is a part of his imprint. Which there's a few other books underneath his imprint that are going on too. I mean, Dead Boy Detectives is the newest one. Um, I do get trade paperbacks in the store, and until today, actually, we had a couple copies of Overture in the store and both of them left today. So Man. I will be getting more copies of Overture because we ordered them today. Uh, so in about a week and a half, yeah. depending on when you listen to this, we will have copies of it again. And uh, Overture, the thing that's beautiful about it is that the artist by J.H. Williams III, who is just glorious. He is so good. And uh, the story is a prequel to the original Sandman volumes. So it takes place prior to the events of the dream being captured. So if you watch the series, that's where it starts. It's a little spoilery, but it's not that much spoiler because it's the first episode, so, you know, get with the people. That's, my man, that's why I have you on the cast, brother. You are the guy when it comes to all <laughs> that stuff. Uh, we appreciate you dropping the knowledge, Steve, the sage, uh, the wise man, the Yoda. That is CBS. You can find him at Top 5 Comics. Be sure you hit him up on social media, too. Top 5 Comics on Facebook, Top 5 Comics CBS on Instagram. He's there for you, whatever you need as far as subscription goes. You're looking for Sandman stuff, Spawn stuff. Yeah, you do, you do a wonderful job, sir. That's why we get you on here, man. Hey, appreciate the time. I appreciate you, buddy.